It's time for the Press Box with Brad and John. Well, I can't believe it. 92 yards, and Lindsey really got in a foot race. I broke my chair. I came right through a chair, a metal steel chair with about a five-inch cushion. I broke it. The booth came apart. The stadium, well, the stadium fell down. Now they do have to renovate this thing. They'll have to rebuild it now. The sonar is a hole. Sedwell awaiting the snap. The spot. The kick is up. The kick is down. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat, Kevin. Oh, they got him. Here they're comes coming the blue from the coat. Left. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks into the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead. Now, Brad Sinketh and John Hyde with the Press Box on the Roar. Good morning and welcome to the Press Box. Brad Singham here with John Hyde broadcasting live on this Monday, February the 5th, 2024 from the Upcountry Fiber Studios here at the Roar 1055975theroarfm.com. Hope you had a great weekend. We're ready to start a Monday with a big show for you here today. We got a lot to get to. It's going to be a busy one. It wasn't a it wasn't like a ton of huge sporting events over the weekend, but there was plenty of college basketball, good and bad, to discuss on the show today, plus uh, the Super Bowl, 58, the teams have arrived, they are in Las Vegas, and we'll start talking about the big game coming up for Sunday uh, around 6.40 p.m., so looking forward to that, plus uh, college football playoff folks are going to meet beginning today, got some thoughts on that one and what they're deciding, we'll let you know about Some of the things on the table going into that big meeting. So a big show as we break down the weekend and look ahead to this week. Good morning, John. How are you? How was your weekend? Doing well. Weekend was good. How about how about yours? Uh, It was it was solid. It was solid weekend. Didn't really do a ton. Just kind of stayed around the house and watched some basketball on Saturday and just kind of. Hey, sometimes those are the best weekends. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. I mean, really, there was. I, I can't think of one thing to really note <laughs> that occurred during the weekend other than just kind of hanging out with the kids and just doing stuff around the house and chilling. So it was it was all right. It was a good weekend. Hopefully uh, yours was filled with a uh, honeydew list because you were off this weekend. You don't get a lot of those, especially with baseball season on the horizon. So hopefully you got a lot done this weekend because, you know, you're running out of time. Uh, very true, yes. <laughs> I'm sure that very, you Very, very true. <laughs> um. A lot to get to. It's going to be pretty busy show today, but you want to get in 654-ROAR. We do want to hear from you. Phone lines are open the entire show. And also the Adams & Coverfing text line, 654-7627. Get in on either one number to rule them all. You can get in on the show today. 
Well, John, where would you like to start this morning? I'm, I'm going to leave it up to you. I'm going to let you. <laughs> You're going to uh, leave it up to me. I'm going to let you captain the ship in the oh, first boy. segment. Uh, the Washington Commanders hired Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury to be their offensive coordinator. Like you're, uh, wow! Feel like you're trying to avoid something, or uh, you're, you, who cares about that? Who cares about the Washington Commanders? That's irrelevant, irrelevant team. I don't know. According to Adam Schefter, they uh, they arrived yesterday for the uh, for the Super Bowl. You tell me we made it. Yeah, Adam Schefter uh, put out a tweet last night that said, uh, "Chiefs and Commanders have arrived in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl." Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing the uh, the Frank Beamer. Yeah. 0-0, zero, zero, baby. We made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, that was a uh, that was an error on Shetra's part, correct? Uh, yes. Unfortunately, your team will not be participating. Yeah! Uh, speaking of not participating, we're broadcasting today from the Country Fiber Studios, not the Strip of Las Vegas. I just want to be clear on that. I just want to... These... I'm not casting... Any sort of vitriol in any directions today. I'm just pointing out facts that we're here on a Monday, Super Bowl week, in the studio. Yes. I look out my window. It does not look like the strip in Las Vegas. It looks very much like cold, easily South Carolina. Uh, I'm not here to point fingers. But the chair of the travel committee uh, has once again let us down just want See, to be clear on that beauty is in the eye of the beholder and the way that i'm going to take that is as you were slandering the great city of easley south carolina no and in, in no way shape or form uh, would that's, I do that's the way thing. i'm taking this no i i was under bandwagon the bandwagon brad is off the easley bandwagon is what i'm gathering we may in 2024 have to revisit who's running the travel committee the chair of it we we may have I, to have. Some I would be fine to delegate this to somebody else. <laughs> delegate? I mean, the first thing you've done as chair of the travel committee would be to delegate that this to somebody else. That is not true. We we have been places. We have been places. Yes. <laughs> Name some of these places. The Beacon Drive-in in Spartanburg. Okay. Dominion Senior Living. Okay. We've been to a lot of places. Tiger Car Wash. Yeah, Tiger Express right here in Easley. <laughs> the city that uh, you are, you know. I don't count it if we've been in the same city that we are currently city. Town that we are currently I, I, in. I love this. I love this. Uh, Adam's a co-roofing text line. The chair had all weekend to plan your Vegas trip. What happened, John? Yes. Have you ever tried to plan just a Vegas trip, you know, spur the moment for the weekend? I don't know, Super Bowl weekend? That's probably a little bit out of the budget. Sounds like a cop out of me, Jim. I don't know, Jim. Maybe uh, so. You know, I'll let you take a look at the books, and you tell me if it would have fit in the budget for a last-minute Vegas trip. We have trip. books? Yeah. Oh, do you know how much uh, rooms are going for in, in Vegas, by the way? <laughs> do you think you Th- That's part this? of why I say it this way, because I have a feeling they're going to be a little bit pricey, at least for where you want to stay. Oh, for where I want like, to. This is also. I'm the reason we're not going. I see deflection. We have never out. had this conversation, but I just take you as a Vegas snob. <laughs> you're saying that I I'm not going to stay at the Four Queens downtown. Is that what you're saying? I mean, you're probably just saying that you're too good for you know Ellis Island Casino and Hotel. <laughs> Live from Ellis Island, the press it's box. A great spot. My favorite spot. It's so off the strip. Um. <laughs> 
I, I mean, I'm, I was thinking, you know, you could squeeze this into Bellagio or Aria, maybe the Venetian. See, this is what I'm talking about, folks. It's like 1500 a night. That's not that bad. What's in the budget? Not that. Do we even have 1500 in the budget? Okay, if we can somehow allocate all the funds to $1,500 a night, how are we getting there? Again, this is for the chair of the travel this committee. It's going to be like the movie Dumb and Dumb, where we'll be on one of those little scooters. We'll be going like, you know, 80 miles to the gallon we, on this hall. We holiday. have a van right outside of the parking lot. All right. I accept your counterpoint. Your point is valid. Yes. We have the van. We would look so good rolling down the strip in that van. So good. A lot of free advertising. Free. <laughs> a lot of advertising on the strip in Las Vegas. We would be part of that. People would be like, what's, what's the roar? 1055 975 The Go check it out. <laughs> we gotta go there right now. Exactly. Our numbers would be we would have paid for the trip and just the van rolling down the strip and eyeballs on it. I could just envision like, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. or sure. Jamar Chase just, you know, walking down the strip, enjoying their time in Vegas at the Super Bowl, hanging out. You know, doing radio row and stuff, and walk by and see the roar, and be like, "Oh man, what's what is this?" I mean, you could have gone with the, you know, maybe the Clemson player who's out there doing media row, and be like, "Oh hey, I remember that radio station." <laughs> that's could've, true. Could have gone down that road, but that's okay. No, that's neither here nor there. Because we're this here. is why you're not, not in there. charge of the travel committee. We're here. You don't know what to do when you get there, and not there. Do you think you and I could have made it? That 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 might be the ultimate question. Could we have survived a week in Vegas? Would we have been up every morning at 6 a.m. live here on the Roar? Absolutely. Would we have slept at all? Yeah. Would we make it home? I'm a professional. A (laughs) professional. Would have made this work. So now he wants to be a professional. Not when he's chair of the travel committee. Now I want to be a professional. You see that nice new show open we just played? I like that. That was sharp. Thank you. That was well put together. Thank you. Good production. Thank you. Did an excellent job. How's it feel to have a new show open? I like it. Speaking of excellent production, NFC 64, AFC 59, the Pro Bowl games yesterday took place down in Orlando, Florida. Did you watch any of it at all? No. It's entertaining. I, I will say I know it's not the games of old where we're... I'm glad we're not putting on the pads anymore. I'm glad they're embracing this level of what it is versus trying to play touch football with pads on. I tend to agree with that. Where was this held at? Orlando. The bounce okay. house. Okay. Yeah, I think I think I'm on board with the the news because this this is not a game anymore. Yeah, this is not a football is really not meant to be an exhibition sport. Do you agree with that? Um, oh boy, you were gonna you're gonna twist something when it comes to bowl games, but in theory, yes. No, bowl games count on your record. They are not exhibitions. Okay, under that premise, then. I agree that football should never take place as an exhibition. It was the NFL's field day, a texture says. <laughs> and there's Remember nothing wrong day? with that. There's nothing wrong with that. What were you really good at in field day? Absolutely nothing. You couldn't do the... Uh, remember the sack hop thing? Oh, no. There, there was nothing. That. That. There was nothing that we the got Frisbee to an event. Throw. I was like, it's my time to shine. No, that did not exist. So you would not have fared well at the NFL field day? Oh, no. Against professional athletes, no. It would have been even worse than field day i had as a child oh man that's uh that's disappointing john i was uh come on brad there's a reason we talk about sports hey 
You're not wrong. Speaking of talking about sports, Virginia, 66, Clemson, 65. That was the final score on Saturday at Little John Coliseum where the Tigers fell to 4-6 and six in ACC play after the one-point loss to a surging hot Virginia team uh, who just squeaked this one out uh, late over the Tigers. Clemson had a chance after a missed free throw uh, on the front end of a one-and-one to go down the court and win the game. And Jack Clark's three-point attempt was off the mark, and the Tigers fell once again. John, it was a disastrous January, and then they start February out like January looked. You you, you kind of think you're turning the calendar, you're going to a new month, maybe things will be different, and they just simply weren't for the Clemson Tigers men's basketball team on Saturday. Uh, any Any big takeaways from this one? I'm sure we'll get into a lot of the game, but any any massively big takeaways? Um, I thought the shooting was subpar. What, well, I was say, what, was what work can you use on the on the air to not get us fired today? Thirty five percent. It was bad. Three point percentage the same. You know, I PJ Hall being four from sixteen from the floor, even though he had nineteen points on the day, it's tough. I mean, it's the it's the three point numbers. Although, you kind of called it, Joe Girard finally getting it right on uh, from three. You called that on Friday that this would be the game where he would start to figure it out from behind the arc, and I believe this was hopefully him turning the corner. Oh, if I had told you he was going to go four for six from the three point line, you probably I, pencil in Clemson for a victory without but, even knowing anything else. But, you know, I think what it what it showed me outside of those two guys is Tony Bennett still knows how to call up a defense. And it really impacted the other guys in this lineup. Yeah, uh, P.J. Hall did most of his damage from the free throw line. He was just 4 of 16 from the field uh, to lead the Tigers with 19. You had to have all, all 10 of them. And, I, you know, you give credit where it was due. But you needed... You need better than four from sixteen and one from six from three, but you also needed a better. You need more better help on rebounds. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll go through some of the the shooting for for the Tigers. Look, Virginia's a top notch, high level defensive team, but you know that every year it's not like you're surprised in in the moment when you play the game. You know you know what you're facing against the Cavaliers. You got to make more shots than this, though. I mean, if you are what Clemson's offense is supposed to be, I'm not saying you got to shoot 48%. You don't need to shoot 48% clearly to win the game against Virginia. You shoot 38%, you win the game. It's reasonable. A reasonable number. But the Tigers unable to really find that. To me, that, that was the big takeaway. The offense, as good as this defense is, I know Virginia... Does a lot, and, and they use their offense to wear you down and make you tired when you get back on the other end of the court. I, I know that. I've, I've seen Tony Bennett coach far too many games in my life. I know exactly what this program does, so I don't have to be you know, reminded of that. But when you are supposed to be a top 50 offense in the country at home, you just simply can't shoot this poorly. You just can't. Yeah, I'm not asking for 45% here. 
I think 38% would have been a reasonable number. A couple extra bat, one one or two extra baskets go in. You win the game. As simple as it is, that's just basketball. It's what it came down to. Clemson was again unable, and, and the offense has certainly regressed over the course of the last month. But the question is what happened here because it wasn't Joe Girard this time. You know, we've we've pointed the finger an awful lot at Joe Girard many times. That was this was not his his issue. It was not his he was not the reason for the poor offensive performance by the Tigers. Six five four roar. You want to get in. What does it all mean? What's ahead for Clemson? We'll discuss all that when we return. Six five four roar back after this. All right, people, it's Valentine's Day. Everything has to be perfect. Yes, sir. At Ingalls, we know that not every Valentine's Day is four-star perfection with string quartets and swanky restaurants. My boyfriend bought me flowers. That it's not the money you spend or the elaborate lengths you go to. Happy Valentine's Day. It just has to come from the heart. Ingalls, we're with you every step of the way. Hey guys, it's time to reclaim that alpha feeling. If you've been feeling sluggish, carrying extra weight, or missing a step in the bedroom, it's time for a change. Book an appointment today at Low Country Mail. Our concierge testosterone replacement therapy plans start at just $220 a month, covering testosterone, labs, medication, and doctor visits. We also offer growth hormone replacement and top-notch anti-aging plans. Let's make men men again. Book today at lowcountrymail.com. Do, 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 do. Hey, what you gonna do when you gotta pee? You're gonna call Royal Flush at 238-8800. We've got your porta-potties. We've got your event trailers, too. Call Royal Flush at 864-238-8800 or visit them online at royalflushtoiletrental.com. We'll even pump your septic tank for you. Call Royal Flush because we're the king and queen of clean. So what have you got to do, 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 do? Call Royal Flush. Just trust me. We've all heard or said these words ourselves at various points. It's going to be great. Just trust me. We say that all the time. And that's basically what I'm saying when you hear me talk about PhD weight loss. I'm just asking you, just trust me. And now the reality is, a few of y'all are thinking things like this. Will it be safe? Or, you know, perhaps more commonly, will I fail? Nope. You won't fail. Because they won't let you. You're not your past. Whatever diet pills or injections you did in the past failed you. Wanting to drop weight is 80% of the battle, so you're almost there. And the other 20% is having an expert on your side, a way to keep you on track. Keeping you on track is what PhD does. It's the most important thing that they do. I want you to think about this. Think about what not doing PhD will do. Multiply 5 pounds times 5 years of doing nothing. You're another 25 plus pounds overweight. If you don't, stop right now and call Ph.D. For more info, go to the website at myphdweightloss.com. Whether you're in the market for a new or pre-owned vehicle, see for yourself why the team at Ralph Hayes Toyota and Anderson has been blocking out the competition for 75 years. P.J. Hall here letting you know if you want to stay on top during the regular and postseason, Ralph Hayes Toyota has your next ride. From their certified pre-owned to all their new 2024 Toyotas, South Carolina's oldest Toyota dealer welcomes you. Ralph Hayes Toyota, Clemson Boulevard, Anderson. We wrote the book on price. Ralph Hayes Toyota. 
Nothing says I love you like romantic, timeless jewelry. Even better when you can save an extra 20%. Right now at Diamonds Direct, all fashion favorite jewelry is 20% off. That's earrings, bracelets, pendants, bands, colored gemstone jewelry. Get 20% off Diamonds Direct's already unbeatable prices. Special financing, too. Get her something she can enjoy and appreciate for years to come. A fashion favorite from Diamonds Direct. Shop in-store or online at DiamondsDirect.com. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live and local sports talk coming to you from the Upcountry Fiber Studios. This is 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Serving the five counties of the South Carolina Upstate. Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. So, what team will Bandwagon Brad pick this week? The nation's top bandwagon fans will be making their decision on what team to follow. What team will John scoff at? Did you just say scoff? Yes, I was scoffing. That's how you scoff. No, it's not. Tune in each weekday morning from 9 till noon on the Press Box, right here on The Roar, where every day is game day. We're back here live on The Roar, the Press Box with... Brad and John, thank you for joining us on this Monday edition, breaking down the weekend and the game that was between Clemson and Virginia on Saturday afternoon. Uh, The Tigers, certainly a game that I think they could have won, should have won, were in position even, you know, even though for, I mean, honestly, it never felt like, once the game started, it really never felt like that Virginia lost control of the game. Now, the Cavs gave you an opportunity. You had some layups, you know, some some bunnies around the basket that probably should have been made. Uh, do, do you think, John, that that's because there, there were some layups that Clemson clearly had, and Brad Brown pointed those out after the game. But do you think that that was sort of the ghosts of Virginia? Like you just you just worry about that defense at all times, and you just you're playing a little bit faster than you want to at times. Yeah, you're one step off. Yeah, you're, you're either a step, you're a step too quick, or you're a step too slow because you're thinking about it. Or you're trying to rush something one way or the other. No, I think that had a lot to do with it. I think Clemson should have been able to counter from that. But you know, I want to be, you have to be respectful of Virginia and give them some credit. But also, you have to point out it was Tigers' fault for missing the shots as well. Yeah, to to illustrate that point even more. This was a pretty clean game in terms of protecting the basketball when you know these two defenses are really going after each other. Just 10 turnovers committed in the game. Six by Virginia and four by the Tigers. John, if I told you Clemson only turns over four times and gets four threes from Gerard, I just don't see how you would have picked against them. Do you agree with that? On Friday, 100%, yes. Meanwhile, Virginia turned those four turnovers into nine points. Clemson turned the six Virginia turnovers into just four. So, again, it was it was about offense. I don't think Clemson's defense was poor in this game. I think there was a couple shots they liked, or a couple, a couple possessions. There's always that you like to have back. And certainly Jacob Groves, who went seven of nine, scored 17 points to lead Virginia. He had a couple... He had a couple shots that were just, I mean, ridiculously good. High level, all, you know, up in the face, 
kind of thing. You, you, your defense wasn't poor on him. He just made some high-level shots. You tip your cap to a guy like that. Uh, but, you know, Dunn only has five. Beekman gets 14, but it, it was a very workmanlike 14 from Beekman. I mean, he's 5 of 17 from the field. You made him earn his shots, and he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn from three-point line himself. Uh, really, really, Virginia's a whole outside of Groves. And again, Groves just Groves just made some some shots. Somebody's going to do it. But I thought overall, Clemson's defense was fine. You know, 44%, you'd like that to be a little bit lower, maybe. But I don't, I don't think they played poorly against the Cavs. It's crazy. Clemson's defense was fine. And like you pointed out earlier, that that's the ideal line you wanted from Joe Girard. Four from six from three. And then there's the bench. The bench was a really key difference maker. 21 uh, from the bench. Now, that includes 17 coming from Jacob Groves, who looked like a starter to me. I I don't know why he's on the bench when he's shooting like that, but uh, he ended up playing 27 minutes. uh, So I don't know that I'd really call him. He played more minutes than Ryan Dunn did. And so he, he he was really good. Uh, but outside of that, Clemson bench was almost non-existent. Beetle hits a three, a big one. It was it was a good three. Hit one other shot. Other than that, nothing. Hunter Dylan Hunter doesn't even take a shot. Jack Clark goes zero for two, including the uh, three pointer at the end. I mean, no, I'm sorry, zero for five, including uh, the three pointer at the end. And then R.J. Godfrey, zero for three uh, from the field, and did not score at all and that might be a whole separate issue to do in a segment later 654 roar you want to get in on this and there's the last second attempt we, we can talk more about that coming up in a minute but uh just just a lot of reasons a lot of reasons Clemson should have won the game now there's clear reasons why they didn't but I do think I do think if I'd have given you a couple of these stat lines John you would have picked a victory for the Tigers nine oh. times out of ten Oh, definitely. Let's go. Like with the one we pointed out with Joe Girard right there, four for six and three. Yep. All right, let's go to Tar Hill Chad. He's up first. Hey, Tar Hill Chad, how are you this morning? Where's Duke, Tar Hill Brad? You see any Dukies this morning? They are not. Uh, they're not surfacing today, Tar Hill Chad. They're in mourning over uh, another L to your. Uh, North Carolina Tar Heels, yeah. who look like uh, look like one of the best teams in the country. I, I gotta say, North Carolina definitely cementing uh, the the you know, potential number one seed conversation. There's still a lot of ball to play, I know, but man, yes, yeah. you, you just look good. And, and you know what? Be, because it's North Carolina, no matter what the rest of the conference does, the Tar Heels will get the benefit of the doubt, and they should because I think I think they are one of the best teams in in college basketball this year. Well, I just, uh, you know, after seeing, you know, Duke did a good job of kind of smothering R.J. Davis, but to see all the other guys uh, kind of step up. Harrison Ingram's had a great year. What a great talk about portal, the good and bad. Uh, Ingram, major upgrade over Leaky Black, even though Black somehow is playing in the NBA. Not to say Black's not a great kid, but Ingram's just a terrific Maybe it doesn't project well in the NBA because of kind of a tweener, but from a college basketball perspective, he's a hell of a basketball player. Does a lot of stuff good. Well, so that, that block he happy had. Happy there, he, I think. He had, he had some tremendous defensive plays in this game. He had a huge block. 
He did. And, um, you know, it's good to see as a game Armando. Now, if Armando can come back and play any way like that, it, it'll add a whole nother dimension. We'll see if it, it carries over to tomorrow night, uh, you know, on Tuesday night. So we'll see see how that goes. And I, I tell you, I saw we lost to Kentucky earlier this year right after we played a tough stretch with UConn, Kentucky, Tennessee. Seeing what Tennessee did to uh, Kentucky the other night, I, I do think I was still kind of I was waiting to see with this team to see if they had it, but I kind of I'm getting to the point where I do think I don't think anybody's beating UConn, but it doesn't mean UConn can't be beat and will not be at the end. At the end, but I do think we have a legitimate shot to get the final four, and then after that, you know, it's just all bets are off. We just getting there. So, thought that was cool. The net last thing, you know. Tomorrow night's game, I know you'll probably get into it. It's crazy. we got to play already again. But, you know, maybe it's a flat spot. Um, however, I I wouldn't anticipate us being flat. And I just think after that Georgia Tech game, maybe it was a good reset. Um, and we feel it's an important game. It's important for us because we go to Miami on Saturday, and I kind of had penciled that into a loss at the beginning of the year. I mean, Miami has not lived up to it, but I guarantee you they will be ready uh, Saturday. That's going to be a tough game. So, um, yeah, all is well, Tar Heel Brad. Uh, appreciate your support. Continued donation to the calls, all that kind of good stuff. We we really appreciate that. And I know Saturday night you were no Duke fan. You were no Duke fan on Saturday night. I know that the bottom of my heart so we got one back for y'all we got we took care of business for the clemson after the debacle up there we put a little extra something on it now you know one thing about that game brad after the first half i mean the game really was never in doubt and usually that's a good sign you played really well i just never felt like we were going to lose that game at any point i know dude cut it to like eight a couple times and maybe six one time but it was like a seven to seven, fifteen point game, pretty much the last twenty, twenty five minutes. You know. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that, uh, Tario Chad. I think I think it was a, a very good spirited effort, and like you said, it was it was a well rounded effort uh, for for the Tar Heels, and that may be the most promising yeah. thing of all. Um, what what do you make of of the rivalry itself? Did it feel as good as as some past wins? I, I saw some people. Kind of on on Twitter arguing that you know ah th- this rivalry isn't isn't what it used to be and so this this one isn't as hey. as monumental I I don't I don't know uh, if I buy that uh uh-uh. uh my daughter was she works at the athletic department but she she at work last night's game she was behind the back she said it was the best environment that she's it's been since she was at school there wow so um I I don't I I think that is now you can make make may make the argument the the players, but I think you can, or not like they were, but you could do that all around the country, sure. right? For yeah. very, we don't, various reasons. The last thing, your little Lenardi man, he still has Clemson in, so there's only three teams. But I swear, they, you know, he doesn't even have Virginia in, not even like the next to last four out, uh, which is, if you think about where Virginia is at right this second, I, man, I tell you what, they, I heard more two team ACC stuff this weekend and that would be an awful look if that actually happens i don't think it will but can you imagine the atlantic coast conference only getting two teams in the ncaa basketball tournament i cannot 
fathom that world, but the closer and closer we're getting to this, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility, and that's that's kind of scary. Yeah. Anyway, take care. Y'all have a great week. You too, Tar Hill Chad. Thanks for getting in. Congratulations to your Hills, uh, knocking off the Duke Blue Devils, ninety-three to eighty-four. Uh, you know, I was hoping maybe both teams could lose, but that wasn't an option in in sports, John. Uh, but well, pretty much most everybody out there felt that way. <laughs> does most. The, does, Not everyone. Does the ACC and now get your flag out? All right, this is flag waving time. All right. Was this good for the ACC that North Carolina won? Does, do they need a banner team? Because it's not going to be a banner year for the league through and through. Uh, we, I, I still am holding out the fact that let's get into the big dance and then we'll let all the chips fall where they may. Then let's see how what kind of year the ACC had. Because we've now been doing this the last couple of years where in January and February, the league's terrible, the league's awful, and then... Oh, gosh, I don't know what happened, but there's an ACC team here in the Elite Eight in the Final Four. But if it's Duke or North Carolina, people don't really say that. Last year, it was hard to to combat that argument because Miami made the Final Four. I'm, Miami's not going to make the tournament this year. Virginia may not make the tournament. Maybe not. Clemson I'm may just, not make the tournament. Like maybe this. not. <laughs> so what I'm saying is it's only going to be we'll one of We'll have that conversation of plenty, I'm sure. I know, but if only if there's only two options that can go to the final four, it's well, I mean, be obviously, and it helps for you know brand recognition that everybody recognizes the the baby blue or the Duke Blue Devils. So I understand that. I will say while while we're on the topic, uh, I, I I was impressed with North Carolina's team effort in this one. I mean, they got points off the bench. They got you know people stepping up. Ingram with 21, uh, with with R.J. Davis being pretty well defended and sort of kept away from some of the shots that he likes to hit. I thought Duke did a good job there. Uh, Duke gets 23 from McCain. I don't think I saw that one. 23 and 11 from McCain. I didn't see that coming. Uh, Filipowski got 22 and, and Roach got 20. And they just they just didn't get much off their bench and they didn't get much out of, out of Proctor at all uh, in this game. So he finished with just two points on one of six shooting. Uh, that was a big difference. But North Carolina controlled this game. You know, Duke... Tried to make it interesting for a little bit there, but it just it just felt like North Carolina was at home, was in was in sole control. And I think you um think you had to be happy if you're a Tar Heel fan. I never really felt like there was much of a point in that game that Duke was gonna win it. It never looked like Duke was the better team. No. And no. North Carolina looked like I, I had said a couple weeks ago that I think North Carolina could be the best team in the country. You um scoffed at that. I know that's normally my role. I didn't scoff at that. It was a little bit early. But I think that there's a, there's a chance that that could be proven true as we uh, go through the month of February. Yeah. They're, uh, they're playing a really good brand of basketball right now. They really are. They really are. And there were some really huge key wins for some teams. Statement wins. North Carolina among that group. Kansas knocking off Houston was certainly in that in that same range, and then I think Tennessee's emphatic win over Kentucky in a game that was kind of similar to what North Carolina did. I thought Tennessee just just manhandled the Wildcats. And I know it seems silly because it's a very just a rivalry that only they care about that they've manufactured themselves. Ole Miss has talked a lot of smack as of late. Good on you, Auburn. Smacked him around. It's just nice to see, you know, 
I mean, you got Lane Kiffin out here Saturday morning just tweeting that'd be a great day to beat Auburn. <laughs> you know. Uh, also, since we're on this topic, South Carolina beat Georgia. Can, can we rank him today? I don't know. I don't know. Rank the Gamecocks. What? Boy, that felt weird to say. Rank South Carolina. I, that's, that's uncomfortable, but I, I, I genuinely believe it. They need to be ranked. How are they not going into today? How do they come out of Monday's ranking day not in the top 25? I mean, it really doesn't matter. I mean, you want for for you know recognition of, sure. a, of a good season. I get it. It doesn't affect the, the outcome of a season anyway whatsoever. So just keep doing what you're doing, but but South Carolina not being ranked is is just laughable at this point. So they should be today. They should have been already. This shouldn't be a. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be laughable. It's already laughable. Hey, hey, listen, Alabama won, so you you can put Bama wherever you need to to make it work to have South Carolina ranked. But just come on. Is there a you, team you know it the, takes a lot for me to sit here and publicly flag a a program at the University of South Carolina? But come on. Is there a? It's time rank the Gamecocks. Is there a team in the country that's had more emphatic two weeks of of, of college basketball than South no, Carolina? No, not even close. We beat Kentucky and Tennessee in the last couple weeks. They're playing the best basketball in the entire country, arguably, right now, over the last two weeks. Went on the road, won at Stegman on Saturday. We'll talk more college basketball, NFL, with the Super Bowl coming up, and college football playoff. Maybe expansion, but there are a lot of format talk. Busy show. Get to more after this. Honda, Acura, Lexus, and Toyota, also known as Halt and Anderson. First Class Halt, your dealership alternative since 2011, wants to be your preferred service center. With factory-trained technicians, OEM parts, and top-of-the-line diagnostic equipment, we have one goal to keep you on the road. This is why we offer a three-year, 36,000-mile nationwide warranty, courtesy shuttle, and repeat rewards. Anderson, what are you waiting for? Come experience First Class Halt, your dealership alternative for Honda, Acura, Lexus, and Toyota. William Nichols from Scores Jewelers. You know, I'm very fortunate to work in an industry that's almost entirely focused on celebrating life's good times and milestones. Like the anniversary highlighting 5, 10, 15 years or more spent with your best friend, birthdays and Christmases, and maybe the biggest day of all, the marriage of two people. Her engagement ring is more than just a diamond and a piece of gold. On the day it's given as a gift, it becomes a meaningful symbol marking the start of your new life together. In a few years, you won't remember the price tag on her engagement ring, but you will remember that look on her face when you open the box. That moment of sheer joy and excitement that says so many things to her that you could never express in words. This is the true value of a ring. The reason these things are handed down from one generation to the next. She's the one. Show her with the ring from Scores Jewelers. We'll help you find or make the perfect ring that says everything you want to say the moment you open the box for her. I'm William Nichols of Scores Jewelers and Anderson and online at ScoresDiamondJewelers.com, and I want to be your jeweler. Sitting here today with our good friend Gary Mahaffey of Insurance for Seniors and Disabled. Gary, texter asks, Walt, I screwed up waiting on my insurance company to sign a new contract with my hospital doctors and they failed. Can Gary help me? Texter, you are far from being the only person who did this. I have a high probability of being able to help you, but time is of the essence. I need you to contact me right away at 864-307-8484 to resolve this dilemma. There you go, listener. You need to move on this and call Gary today at 864-307-8484. Again, 864-307-8484. 
864-307-8484. And remember, the Gary represents the seven largest Medicare insurance companies in approximately 125 different plans. In the unlikely event that you would want another company's plan, Gary will still shepherd you through SHIP or Medicare to accomplish that goal. Thanks for calling Discover. This is Anjali. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just got an alert for a strange charge on my card. No problem. We make sure you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases on your Discover card. Let's see. Did you purchase something from a t-shirt cannon store yesterday? Absolutely not. No, I already have like three. Zero dollar fraud liability guarantee. It pays to Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. It's Race for the Green Time. Go ahead and make your plans to sign up today. Run signup.com. It's coming your way March 16th, 2024. Make a commitment to do your first 5K or half marathon and take advantage of those early bird pricing. Run signup.com. Great swag, the beautiful medal that everybody talks about. This is our 14th annual half marathon and 5K. Sign up today. Don't forget March 16th, 2024. Run signup.com and come on and have a great time. Tuning in from the car? Stay connected to the Roar after you run your errands using our app or website. Download the Roar app on your phone by searching WCCPFM The Roar in the App Store. Or tune in on our website, theroarfm.com slash listen. We're back here live on the roar coming up on 9 45 a.m hour one continues you want to hear or you want to get in uh, we'd love to hear from you 654 roar that's the number on the phone line on the adams and co roofing text line uh again clemson loses another heartbreaker uh something the tigers have become way too accustomed to over the the last couple weeks then you go back to the georgia tech game where they lost in double overtime had that one sewn away it looked like, and then blew a lead there in the final minute, uh, for final two minutes to the Yellow Jackets, who sent it in overtime. And then Clemson missed a, I guess it would have sent to a third overtime, I believe. Yeah, I think they were down by three, weren't they? On the, uh, I believe that to be correct. I can't remember for for certain, but I believe that's correct. And that was, um, yeah, January sixteenth. Yes, they were. They were down by three on that, on that pat on that uh, shot by PJ Hall that didn't go in that would have sent it to triple overtime and then they lost the heartbreaker at duke last saturday 72 71 uh, in which again the tigers not able to close out a a lead very similar to the the georgia tech game Uh, they did of course beat louisville in a game where they led by 24 and louisville cut it to three late in the game but clemson won by six there at home and then saturday 66 65 virginia Gets the win. This is not one where Clemson blew the lead. This is one where Clemson had the chance to win the game outright after trailing for a lot of this game. And I I don't know, John. I just didn't see I, – I didn't like there was a lot of moments where I felt like Clemson was going to win. Uh, they, they only led for 2 minutes and 40 seconds. UVA led for 35 minutes and 10 seconds in this game. Yet the Tigers had an opportunity after missing the front end of a 1-1 one one on the free throw there. By the Cavaliers, they get the rebound. Chase Hunter races down the court, left side, 
Uh, two guys start to come on him. He throws it top of the key to Jack Clark, who had only taken one shot in the game. He puts up a three-pointer, or, f- or f- four shots in the, in the game, only, only one three and missed it, and then takes a second three-pointer of the day and misses it. Um, was not able to hit the shot. I, I was surprised, were you, that Clemson didn't call timeout on the last play? Uh, a little bit. I was more surprised that Chase Hunter stopped at the three-point line and didn't try to drive it to the basket. Now, he did have two guys uh, you know, moving their way toward him, but they had not really gotten all the way to me, and I, I felt like maybe he could have tried to go baseline and either maybe get a quick pass for for a quick shot or just get something up. He, he, he could have gotten farther along the court probably. I mean, we yeah. don't know for sure, but he's probably not going to run out of bounds. <laughs> Correct. I don't think the way where he was positioned on the court, he was going to go out of bounds. So maybe you could have drawn even someone else a little more closer and you know, maybe it still would have been Jack Clark who was more open, but maybe he would have found himself in a position to take a more uh, advantageous shot for him. A little surprised Jack Clark was on the four needing points, right? He is he he was 0 for 4 yeah. in the game. He had not scored. Uh, was a guy that had not, not really been a great three-point shooter. So I think he was shooting under 30% on the season. He was the trail guy. And, you know, the way that Coach Brownell diagrammed the the final play after the after the game was over he talked about it you know it sounded like that was sort of the way Clemson executed it was sort of kind of what he told him to do uh, he wanted Chase Hunter to drive up the court and if he felt resistance early going up the court stop and call a timeout if it was open to just keep going I thought he maybe felt the resistance a little too early you know I like gave it away a little too, but he sees Clark trailing he sees an open guy Clark catches the ball. There's only about, what, two, two and a half seconds left. I don't know that he has time to catch, look, pass down to P.J., who was what Brownell called the rim runner. So he's going toward the rim in case there's a a chance and opportunity to get the ball to him or a a quicker shot where he can try to get a rebound. And then Joe Girard's kind of off to the side, not really a part of the play. Um I think that was more to make sure you drew a defender away. Away out of the, on the yeah, yeah on on that side of the court, whichever side of the court Hunter goes, you want to try to draw a defender away to the other side, sure. And then, so t- t- with how the play was diagrammed, I mean they they, I guess they ran it the way it was supposed to. I just I I am surprised that that was the decision that was made, and then I, instead it wasn't a get to half court because if you if you rebound that ball. And you you get it a hunter, and he races up to half court. John, he's going to cross half court with probably probably about four to five seconds in between that on the clock. Because you got to think it's going to take a going to take a little brief second there to hit the button to start the clock on the rebound. He gets to half court. I, he's going to get there with like four point eight left. So you're going to have more than enough time to run an inbound like they did against Georgia Tech, where they set up a shot for PJ Hall at the top of the key. Sure. So you you would think that there would have been enough time to do that. I'm just I'm surprised in in the moment against Georgia Tech, they, you know, they they're timing out and they're bringing and you get an opportunity to do that and you choose to just let the play run. And it was just an odd configuration of the people on the court who were, who ended up with the opportunity. I think you were also at a situation where 
who are you going to put in on the court in that spot? Right? Because you had Chase Hunter on the court. Ian Shefflin was on the floor. Joe Girard was on the floor. P.J. Hall was on the floor. Correct? Yeah, Chauncey Wiggins was not on the floor. Correct? All right. So here, here we, let's go over the options. None of them were great in the situation. Chauncey Wiggins had two points on the day, was one for five from the floor, had one rebound. Yeah, one rebound. Um, R.J. Godfrey, 0 for 3. Jack Clark, 0 for 5. And like I said, none great options, but you had to just kind of pick somebody you felt could help facilitate something in the moment. None of them were playing well. Yeah. I, I think that I would have... Someone had to... Someone had to go out there and play that role. Yeah. But you're talking about, you know, P.J. Hall, who is your your closer in a late-game situation, right? He's he's your best player. Absolutely. Best offensive 100%. option. At all times, he's your best offensive yes. option. And then Joe Girard, who was filling it, folks. He was 5 of 8 from the field and 4 of 6 in the three-point line. I, 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 feel, I feel like you brought in Joe Girard and you retained P.J. Hall to be the guys who take the shots late in the game. I, I'm just surprised that there wasn't something drawn up, whether it was called out as the, before the free throw or whether it's talked about in a huddle or whatever, that doesn't end up with the ball in their hands. I have a hard time understanding the option. Again, the play that was diagrammed out makes sense, and, and they got a look. They got an open look. But it's it's who's taking the shot. It's, it's who's advancing the ball. You know, if, if if Chase Hunter goes all the way to the rim, who knows? Maybe he gets a foul call. Eh, probably not. <laughs> based on <laughs> based on who, who's officiating the games here. But I mean, maybe. You know, like you just you don't know. But I just like there were of of all the options that were out there, this probably is the one that to me gives you the least opportunity to score. Is that a good way of putting it? I think that's a fair way of putting it. I just, I just didn't get it. I didn't. I, man, the way that coaches manage and micromanage and and handle these late game situations, I, I'm just really shocked they didn't get to have court and call timeout to really set it up, because then you've got an opportunity to get either. Now you've got two options, potentially three. All right, if you if you call timeout, you run a set play. You got you got under five seconds to go. You're already at half court. The the world is your oyster at that point. You can call a lot of different things. You don't have to do a catch and shoot. So you've got an opportunity to either get Chase Hunter maybe coming off of a some action, some screen or something, with him going toward the basket. You get you bring PJ Hall much more into play where you can maybe run some action where somebody's at the top of the key and PJ is down in the post, like he makes a move to get into the post for a catch and shoot. You have enough time to do that, and then you you got to think there's the option of, uh, I don't know, Joe Girard getting a look from anywhere because Joe Girard can shoot from anywhere on the court. So I, I just feel like I just laid out three options that feel better than what was diagrammed. But none of those can happen, really, if you don't call a time Or they happen, it's a lot easier to set those up if you call a timeout there. I just feel like that would have made a lot of sense. I, w- I was surprised that they let it go. But sometimes coaches go with, you know, that whole, well, I, I, got the, I got the ball in the hands of a guy who can get it up the court for me. Let's just see how this 
how it goes. But I I prefer the other one. I, I guess my frustration lies is just where he stopped. I felt like he fell into the trap of the Virginia defense at stopping where he did on the three-point line because you didn't need a three. I think they baited Chase kind of into that look thinking he may have needed one, thought about pulling up for it, and then the whole thing kind of just fell apart in that moment. Well, you're, you're rushed. and, K- and Kicked it yeah. over to – and I, I don't think Jack Clark probably thought he was necessarily getting the ball in that situation – Give him a little bit of credit of court awareness to realize, oh, I have two seconds left. I need to get something off versus, could you imagine the phone lines right now, Brad, if he was holding the ball and the buzzer sounded? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just saying, I, I, I'm i not getting out. I, I'm not trying to absolve anybody, on uh, Brad Brynell here, or anybody on Clemson's team. I'm giving a little bit of credit towards Virginia here, and I just think that that to give them credit, I think that Chase Hunter and Jack Clark handled the Virginia defense poorly. Yeah, I I, I see what you're saying, uh, but again, you're you're allowing it to even come to that. Oh, I agree with you. It should not have come to that. Yeah, it should not. It, in no way, especially when you you can't control. There was enough time to control this situation a little bit better in my opinion than having having the ball end up in a in a guy's hands who had not made a shot all day long and certainly um certainly better options literally on the court that's the thing it wasn't like one of those two other players was sitting on the bench Gerard or PJ they're they're literally on the court and you can call a timeout to make sure that they are in the right position and it it didn't happen and I'm just I, I'm just surprised by it I, I really was the situation uh was was not something that I this it didn't play out the way I was expecting it to play out now what does this all mean Clemson falls to four and six in league play they've lost two of the last three and you, you know you think back to January uh they lost to Miami North Carolina Virginia Tech during that three-game losing skid, the loss to Georgia Tech, and the loss to Duke, and now they started February with a loss. So that's six games, six losses since the uh, calendar turned over to 2024, and now the Tigers are facing the extremely daunting task of going to the team that John just said he thinks is the best team in the country right now, potentially the best team in the country in North Carolina, clearly the the class of this league, a team that Clemson played, I think, well against, off, at least from a defensive standpoint, in a 10-point loss at Little John a month ago, but did not play well offensively, especially down the stretch. Well, that final seven or eight minutes, Clemson couldn't hit the broad side of a barn in that game. And now they got to go to Chapel Hill. We all remember the win back in 2020, but, man, that even feels like a while back. So now Clemson sitting there at four and six, staring down North Carolina, even off an emotional win. And we talk about you know some of the emotions of, of could Clemson take advantage of that potentially, but I tend to agree with Tar Hill Chad, what he said earlier. I think North Carolina's pretty doggone locked in right now. Playing really well and, and confidence certainly soared. Had it had North Carolina been all RJ Davis you know, if he had scored 35 and they beat Duke by four or something, 
I think it feels a lot different than North Carolina just got maybe their best overall team performance of the entire season on Saturday. That's usually pretty infectious, and I think it gives it gives Duke it gives North Carolina a ton of team momentum heading into this one. Meanwhile, Clemson has to pick up the pieces once again. And Brad Brownell talked about it after the game. He said that he really was was much more of a a cheerleader in in this situation this this past week. He really tried to pump his team up and try to get them feeling good again, get them in a good headspace, and he felt that they were in that headspace heading into the Virginia game. Now coming out of it with another one-point loss, where's the headspace heading into North Carolina? These are difficult questions and not a lot of time to answer them as that game takes place tomorrow night at 7 p.m. The Dean Dome. More to come. WCCP-FM 105.5. Clemson. Greenville-Anderson. WAHT AM 1560. Cowpens. 97.5 Spartanburg. We are.